Hello and welcome to the GTR News Brief. It's Wednesday, July the 8th, and here are a few of the top stories from the world of trade and trade finance this week. Heads of the World Trade Organization and six of the world's multilateral development banks have released a joint statement promising to address shortages in trade finance. By banding together, they're aiming to make sure that any financial market stresses caused by the COVID-19 crisis do not prevent otherwise viable trade transactions. Roberto Azevedo, outgoing Director General of the WTO, said this marks the first time the major multilateral development banks have lined up together in support of trade finance markets. Alongside the WTO, the other institutions involved were the International Finance Corporation, the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development, the Asian Development Bank, the African Development Bank Group, the Islamic Trade Finance Corporation and the Inter-American Development Corporation. Another news. Criminal groups are exploiting soft commodities trading networks to conceal the trafficking of illegal wildlife and animal products, a new report has shown. This has prompted calls for renewed efforts by banks to investigate the underlying financial flows. According to the Financial Action Task Force, seemingly legitimate trading activities are being used as cover for the sale and transportation of valuable animal parts, exotic pets and banned meat. The Global Standard Setting Body says in its report, which was released last week, that criminals are misusing the formal financial sector as well as front companies and the guise of the legal wildlife trade to launder their proceeds. And in further news, after coming under fire from anti-corruption investigators, UK Export Finance has said it carries out rigorous and ongoing due diligence on all transactions it supports. Spotlights on corruption a UK-focused campaign group warned of multiple red flags in UKS activities in sub-Saharan Africa. In the report released this week, the group looked at 11 UKF bat transactions in sub-Saharan Africa, and according to its research, three of these posed exceptionally high risks in terms of corruption or bribery. They involved trade with Angola, Ghana and Uganda, and carried a total value of over £270 million. Now we turn to a major story from last week to take a closer look. After 26 and a half years of governing trade among the United States, Canada and Mexico, the North American Free Trade Agreement is no more. President Donald Trump spent years trying to get rid of NAFTA and in January he finally signed into law its replacement, the US-Mexico-Canada Agreement. Otherwise known as the USMCA, this officially came into force last week. However, As GTR reported, US customs guidance suggests that full enforcement won't take place until the end of the year. So, in essence, it seems the trade deal looks to have been implemented in name only. I spoke to senior reporter Eleanor Ragg about what the new USMCA means for businesses and why it hasn't been fully rolled out yet. Well, let's be clear, this isn't a huge overhaul. Um, NAFTA had already eliminated duties on most qualifying goods and it had significantly reduced non-tariff measures. So realistically, there's not much room for the New Deal to move the needle. Um, I mean, in calculations done just prior to the pandemic, the International Trade Commission estimated that this New Deal um, could raise GDP in the US by 0.35% after six years. So it's not particularly earth moving. 
Um, all that being said, there are some key differences between the new and the old deal, and they primarily affect the auto sector. So um, in this new deal, the proportion of car components that has to be manufactured in any of the three nations to qualify for those zero tariffs is now 75%, and that's up from 62.5% previously. Um, another change is that between 40 and 45% of car parts now have to come from factories where workers earn at least $16 an hour. So that's, you know, that's going to put an end to the labor arbitrage in the auto sector between the US and Mexico. And those are really the only major changes. So Elena, why are some complaining that there hasn't been enough time for businesses to prepare for the USMCA? Well, USMCA's implementation date was set at July the 1st. Um, That was already seen as a really tight deadline, even before COVID-19 sort of confined everyone to their homes. The problem is, as I mentioned, um, certain goods that would have qualified under NAFTA no longer do so because, you know, they've got different proportions of components. So car makers in particular need to really examine their supply chains and perhaps look at moving some things around. And on top of that, there's there's no rollover. So if you had something that qualified under NAFTA and still qualifies under USMCA, it's not grandfathered in. So you have to go through the process of recertifying everything. And, you know, that takes time. And no one's even in the office. We're all working from home. So um, the auto industry in particular has been very vocal in its calls for the New Deal to be postponed. You know, they, they said that even if it were reasonable for them to divert their attention to compliance with the New Deal amid the pandemic, Um, The interim regulations that they got, which provide them with guidance on the new regulations and requirements, were only released on June the 16th. So, you know, they had two weeks um, to look through basically a 400 page document to, um, you know, to meet the new rules. And that's not doable. The thing is, the Trump administration refused to budge. Um, Scrapping and replacing NAFTA was one of Trump's campaign pledges. It's of incredible political importance to Trump, to the Trump administration. And getting the deal done is the most important thing, no matter what it takes. And Eleanor, why are there suggestions that the USMCA hasn't really been implemented despite its official rollout date of July the 1st. Well, this is the interesting part. So NAFTA was officially superseded on July the 1st and the USMCA went into force. So far, so good. Big win for Trump. He gets his headline. He made good on his campaign pledge. But that's not the full story. Um, US Customs and Border Protection have put out their implementing instructions. And while the deal is officially in force, there's several paragraphs in there that indicate that it's not really going to be enforced for the first six months. So what customs say is they understand that industry may need time to adjust their business practices to comply with the new requirements, particularly relating to um, preferential tariff treatment. So, you know, they're, they're heeding the calls of the auto industry. And what customs go on to say in that document is that during the first six months after entry into force, they'll show what they call restraint in enforcement. And instead, they'll focus on supporting industry to comply through education and outreach. 
this isn't a usual feature of trade agreements. I haven't seen it in any of the trade agreements that I've covered in the past. I mean, the normal process is that, you know, industry makes its adjustments prior to implementation and entry into force means, well, it means just that. So essentially, what all of this means is that for the first six months of the agreement, customs won't be enforcing the letter of the agreement. So I suppose, you know, that leads you to ask whether the deal is actually in force. It's quite clever, really. Um, on paper, Trump's got his deal over the line by the deadline, um, while the auto industry and the rest of the exporters and importers in the US have got the adjustment period that they wanted. So everyone's a winner. Thanks for listening to this episode of the GTR News Brief. We'll have more stories from the world of trade and trade finance soon. The music used for this episode was provided by Kevin McLeod with his track Loopster, as well as South London Hi-Fi with their track Sunrise Drive. Thanks for listening.